Welcome to Weed Week, everyone. I'm Haley Fox. I'm Alex Halperin. And we are currently in the process of trying this delicious peach ginger tea that our lovely producer Hannah brought in today. It's called Vibes with a Y, and we're feeling kind of vibey pre, we're recording this pre-holiday weekend. But Alex, how do you feel like it's affecting you? Do well, you feel like it's affecting you? So, so this is CBD tea. So hemp so CBD. Hemp CBD tea. And CBD is very complicated. We're going to be talking about it in our in our next episode. Um, or I don't know, complicated, but um, nebulous. CBD is a bit nebulous. Yes, totally. Complex. So this is some very nice um, <laughs> peach ginger tea. And it's very nicely packaged and stuff like that. But I'm not exactly sure how it's supposed to make us feel. Yeah. How, how is it supposed to make us feel? I mean, it's supposed to make us feel mellow it's supposed to make your body feel relaxed it's supposed to have all sorts of therapeutic benefits the one we're drinking is um 15 milligrams which is very very low um but we'll get into all that next week and we've been doing a lot of research in the meantime um we both uh me and alex have been working on a bunch of stories related to cbd so we're kind of getting in the trenches and trying a bunch of CBD stuff for your good so we can bring you all this knowledge next week. So get ready for that. We're going to get into the news. Um, and then after that, we have a interview with Mistress Matisse, who is a dominatrix and a cannabis entrepreneur and a self-described sex worker activist. And we're going to talk about her life and her weed lube and her politics and all sorts of good stuff. So stick around for that. Um, but first, Alex, kick us off with some news. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, we had Jennifer Wuhan on the show, and she was the social impact director at Ease, which is one of the big startup, uh, big delivery app startups here in California. And Ease just got hit with a big lawsuit over um, texting its customers too much. And th- this is pretty interesting because a lot of just about all the weed companies text their customers pretty constantly. Ease is allegedly... Is accused of quote relentlessly bombarding its its customers with with text messages, and this is potentially a violation of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. And if it goes class action, uh, similar cases have cost much wealthier companies like Bank of America and Wells Fargo tens of millions of dollars. This is pretty interesting because it's only texting is sort of one of the only ways a company like Ease can really reach out to its customers. So uh, wait, and, and why is that? Because of restrictions on advertising or how, you know, why, I guess, why do, why are so many of them using? Right. No, it's messages? true. I mean, they, they can advertise on, on billboards and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, but I think they consider text messaging a really effective marketing tool because it, gotcha. remi- you know, they can hit you up with deals and sort of, they know what you've ordered in the past and stuff like that. So there's no indication yet whether this is sort of part of an anti-marijuana industry effort. But if it was, it would be pretty effective since these kinds of lawsuits sound like they they present a real problem to a company like Ease. Well, yeah, and I feel like these this type of bombarding people with texts is a kind of advertising tool that's now being used everywhere. I mean, I during election season, I get so many texts from politicians or from people saying, hi, I'm in support of blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, this will be very interesting to see where it goes. While we said that we'll have a CBD episode for you next week, there is a piece of news 
this week that we wanted to address. Quick recap, CBD, THC, main components talked about in cannabis. THC is the psychoactive part that makes you high. CBD does not make you high. It's more body feeling, has a lot of therapeutic benefits. Anyways, it does typically uh, if it's actually CBD. But in Utah, um, at the end of last year, apparently, 52 people got sick and like 30 of them ended up having to go to the emergency room because they took what they thought was CBD. Um, When the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and a bunch of researchers went back and looked at it, it turns out a bunch of these people took what was called YOLO CBD oil. So it was marketed as CBD oil. People took it as that. Turns out that there was, of course, no CBD in it and instead contained a synthetic um, cannabinoid, which is meant to mimic THC. So basically, they took something entirely different um, than CBD or what it consists of. Um, and it sounds like is more like um, what's in spice or K2 that causes people to really lose their minds. Yeah, it's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. We thought this was important because CBD, since it is such a big trend and it's kind of being slapped on all sorts of products like organic was, I feel like, when organic became a thing, um, it's a good reminder to really do your research. And uh, next week, we'll fill you in on how to best do that. But just be careful when purchasing things, you know, to fully vet the company and what what you're taking before you put it in your body. Now, is it clear whether this was people who were ill or if they were just looking for a very mild sort of Utah style (laughs) that's an excellent question I want to say based on it looks like where they purchased it and what the YOLO part of it um, that they were just people you know looking to experiment with it and as a result ended up with these very adverse reactions but yeah and you know Like I said, just a good reminder to even if you're taking it casually and not for medical purposes, make sure to do your research because anything you're putting directly in your body, because this whole um, field is still largely unregulated. There's a lot of a lot of unknowns and wild cards. All right, cool. And just just one more story I wanted to mention. The Canadian company Aurora Cannabis agreed to buy its competitor Med Relief for three point two billion Canadian dollars, which is the biggest deal yet in the industry. And this matters because it's an interesting counterpoint to the to the US market, which is still very fragmented, while Canadian companies are consolidating and, and becoming global leaders. Today, our guest is Mistress Matisse, a Seattle-based dominatrix, cannabis entrepreneur, sex worker, and sex worker activist. Her weed lube brand, Velvet Swing, is available in Washington and California. Just a quick warning before we get into this interview, we do get into some adult themes that might not be appropriate for children. So if by any chance you do have your kid listening, it might be time for earmuffs. And here's Mistress Matisse. Hi, Mistress Matisse. Hi. So glad to hear from you both. Great. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Of course. Yeah. So could you start by giving us an idea of what a day in the life of you is? <laughs> well, that's hard to say because, like, as you say, I've got a lot going on and every day of my life is different. And one day I might be at a meeting at the office where my pot is made and then come home and see a client. So like, it's just kind of all over the place. 
but yeah, when you own your own business, you have to do everything, right? You wear all the hats. So, you know, you have to do all the marketing and you have to do all the, you know, the emails and the messaging and the client scheduling. And, and that takes up a huge amount of time. Like, I, I would say that you will spend three hours doing all the routine maintenance stuff to every one hour that you spend with a client. Um, so that's kind of the ratio that goes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually fine. It's just that when you're trying to do two full-time careers at once, it's a little crazy. But <laughs> uh, I'm, in the last year, I have sort of learned to uh, kind of make things coexist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and it's very exciting, of course. So how, how did you make the leap from, from dominatrix and, and sex worker to cannabis entrepreneur? It didn't feel like a leap, really. I mean, I... I have used cannabis lubes before they were legal. I know that's shocking to you all. Uh, (laughs) And a friend of mine made them for me, and she was very good at it. And after cannabis became legal here, uh, I knew that she was continuing her experiments, you know, in a more legal way, Uh, you know, albeit in her kitchen, but she's a scientist. And so she was continuing to experiment within this way, and I was aware of that. And so one fine day, I ran into a friend of mine, who said, oh, guess what? I just got the craziest job. I've been made CEO of a pot company. And I said, really? How do you know? <laughs> and I went to my friend and said, Chelsea, so that's her name, Chelsea, we have a moment here. Like, I have a, I have a connection. You have this talent. And I got, you know, I got the razzle-dazzle. So we pitched the idea of this cannabis lube to this pot company, and they were very interested in it. And it just so happened that one of their big features was that they had a way to make pot water-soluble, which it's generally not. All of the pot lubes, except for mine, are oil-based. And that's mm-hmm. okay if that's what you want, but it, it, there are some drawbacks that I found unacceptable. For one thing, you can't use it with any kind of latex condom. Uh, so that was, oh. a big, that was a big deal-breaker for me, mostly. And also, it's oil. So it tended to smell like skunky bong water. And at least like big oil spots on your sheets and on your lingerie, and it, it smelled like kind of skunky too. Not super sexy. So those were all <laughs> deal breakers for me. <laughs> so Chelsea and I worked and worked on this formula with um, with the pot company, and uh, we we came up with something really amazing. So we're partnered with them because you have to have a lot of money usually to get started in the pot business. So we're kind of a junior partner of that company we get their license and we use their facilities but i own velvet swing um so that's i'm really lucky that i got into a situation where they would take that kind of arrangement and let me like you know steer the brand and manage it along and use their facilities to manufacture and deliver uh so that's kind of how it all came about and so we're wondering too you know both of these fields that you work in are widely misunderstood. Um, what do you think are kind of some of the biggest misconceptions about working as a dominatrix and, um, you know, the cannabis industry as a whole or being part of it? <laughs> well, let me preface this by saying I've been a sex worker for over 20 years. I've been in the cannabis industry for one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So understand that I have a lot more experience on one of the sides than I do the other. Cannabis is misunderstood, I think, in states where it's not legal, certainly, that it's very, it's just very kind of shady, down low, you know, people skulking around in dark alleys kind of thing. It's just not that way anymore. It's, it's you know, it's legalized. It's heavily regulated. Oh, my Lord, is it heavily regulated? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, every single day I get emails from people in other cities and other states um, begging me to sell them some Velvet Swing, and I have to explain to them I can't do that. No legal pop product can ever cross a state line. Once that happens, it's trafficking. I can't mail or send or ship or in any way transport my product in any way. I can't do it. So it's it's hard for me. Like, people just don't really get that this is – yeah, this is not an illegal business anymore, so I can't. And I have a staff, and I have a company, and I can't, I can't break laws with the same impunity that I might, possibly, as a sex worker, because the stakes are just so much lower. Um, but they're not non-existent right now. So let me switch from uh, cannabis to sex work and say that sex work is having a really bad time right now. Um, before now, all laws that I can think of regarding sex work were either state or local, like county or city, like that. The, the federal government did not generally get involved in laws about prostitution. That's all changed. With the advent of uh, a pair of laws called SESTA and FOSTA, which basically make it illegal for any sex worker to advertise online um, anywhere. And they've already closed a great deal of places where we used to advertise, like Craigslist personals are gone completely and forever. Like You can't have you people who are not sex workers, you can't have those things because the government wants to harass us and make mm-hmm. us less safe. And it's actually, really, it's a free speech issue. It's a, it's a censorship issue. This is, people online will talk about, oh, I'm being censored. No, this is censorship. When the government says, you can't say these words, and if you say them, we're going to arrest you, that's censorship. And that's what's happening to us right now. It, it's also affecting some, some weed companies, potentially, and, and the ways they can advertise. Yes. Um, I will say that the way we people can advertise is already super heavily regulated. Uh, uh, for example, I am, I'm a processor. I am not allowed to, and I quote, encourage people to use drugs. I'm not allowed to do that. So I can't say you should buy Velvet Swing and use it. I can't say that. I can talk about Velvet Swing is great. Velvet Swing is wonderful. I love Velvet Swing, but I can never say you should buy it. You should use it because it's a pot product. So there's all kinds of censorship laws happening already in the, in the pot industry. I'm sure there come up with more. You know, speaking of Velvet Swing, since we know you can't tell us it's great and we should use it, but we're very curious, you know, about the science behind it. You talked a little bit about the kind of the difference between water-soluble and oil-based and all that. Um, but how, you know, how is it supposed to work? Can you tell us a little bit about, like, inner workings of how it functions? <laughs> well, now, if you had if my, my, my colleague Chelsea here, who really is the science finalist, she would give you like a half an hour answer to that. Um, <laughs> I'm not the science part of this team, so I will give you my version of it. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about how it acts on the vagina. THC and CBD do two things when, when applied topically. They draw blood to the area uh, and they create muscle relaxation. So the THC in Velvet Swing acts like... I'm not going to say a female Viagra because we can't make medical claims, but like Viagra, it draws blood to the area and engorges it, which is a pleasurable sensation. And it feels very organic. It doesn't feel like something unnatural is happening to your body. Uh, What the CBD does is women carry a lot of tension in their abdomen because it's a place we have to protect in life. You walk through the world defending your sweet spot. But when it's time to be with your lover and relax and really enjoy your body, it can be hard to shut off that part of your brain. And what the CBD does is relax the soft tissue that surrounds your pussy 
and it makes intercourse, especially deeper penetration, much more comfortable, much more easy. Um, and a lot of women experience um, discomfort with sex. And again, I'm not making a medical claim here. I will tell you only that I've had a lot of people come to me and tell me that whatever their age, whatever the reason, whatever this, this the velvet string really helps them just relax and now intercourse feels comfortable again. Some people like to like to take cannabis before before they have sex and they say it, it makes them helps them connect. But at the same time, you know, some people find it it tunes them out or something like that. Do you have any thoughts on mixing the cerebral effects of weed and, and sex? Well, it's you got I mean, because weed is not just one, you know, monolithic thing. There are many different types of weed, different strains, different, um, you know, is it indica, is it sativa, and even even that differentiation is being discussed much in the weed community. So I would say, that, I mean, not everyone is going to want to do this. If you like the idea of getting high and having sex, um, there are certain strains uh, that are more conducive to that than others. My my colleague Chelsea would tell you that you want a strain that leaves you fairly clear-headed, but that has a fairly intense body feel. Um, for me, I like indica, a very strong, like dark indica, which is generally regarded as a more relaxing body high. Uh, so that's the kind of the weed that I consume when I want to have sex. But I, if people want to, I mean, it's good to experiment and, you know, tell the bud tender what you want it for. They're not stupid and they're not going to be judgmental. Uh, or even just do some Googling about, you know, best weed strains for sex. So back to, you know, some of the policy work, I wanted to ask you about the allegations against Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. Four women uh, accused him of physical abuse and sexual abuse. And I saw in a story that you were quoted in um, was a really you know, interesting point brought up that I think a lot of people don't pay attention to, which is this difference between um, role playing and unexpected violence. And so I'm I'm curious in your work um, and in your life, how do you define that line and what kind of um, discussions go into ensuring that everything um, that's happening is fully consented to by everyone involved? So... Yeah, no, what that what Sherman is doing is engaging in the BDSM version of the she was asking for it defense. You know, mm-hmm. she was wearing a short skirt. She was totally into it. Yeah, I'm like, he, he's just using different language to do the same thing. And he's doing it really badly. For one thing, in the in the kink community, if you say, I want to do a role play, what that tends to mean is it's not physical. We're going to talk a game back and forth while we have, you know, conventional sex or something like that, it's it's usually not a, a heavy physical BDSM scene. So that alone tipped me off. Like, this guy's just heard a word somewhere that he's latched onto, and he's using it for his defense. Um, and I notice that it's, like, he, he doesn't say, oh, I'm BDSM master or something like that, which would also be wrong, but he's chosen the most innocuous word he can think of to to defend himself. And he's totally a bad person and should be prosecuted for his crimes. Uh, I have no patience with anyone who tries to hide behind the kink to cloak their abuse. Mm-hmm. So the, the reason that 
that we knew that this is abuse and not kink is that none of those women consented to that. They protested vociferously at the time. They protested after the fact. Uh, there's, there's no, at no point do they ever say, yes, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, with real BDSM people, what you do is you talk and you get very clear consent. And if someone says stop or uses their sort of safe word, which you've indicated to mean stop, and you don't stop, then what, you, what you're doing now is abuse. Uh, and those women said no and stop and indicated, no, I don't want this in every way that's possible to do that. And he never stopped. He's just a bad, bad person. You know, we live in sort of a, obviously a very, very fractured society these days, but there have been major advances on, on certain, on certain social issues that were, were previously taboo. Now we have same sex marriage. We have, and you know, cannabis is, is on its way towards legalization. Can, can you explain what, what your policy goals are as a, as a sex worker activist? Yeah, I can. And in, in one word, I want decriminalization. That is what I want. So in, in, in the U.S., in certain counties of Nevada, we have legalized prostitution in the, in the famous Nevada brothels, some of which are uh, fading away. And they're actually there's people are legislating, trying to legislate within the state to um, have those out of business, too. They don't even want the legal brothels anymore, which I think is just extra gratuitously mean. Uh, but otherwise, in, in the U.S., um, prostitution is illegal, and to say it would be decriminalized simply means that no criminal law would exist on any books anywhere that says the one-to-one exchange of sex for money is a crime. That would just be removed. Now, that's obviously a first step. There have to be some steps that would come after that. But what we don't want is a national version of the the brothels in Nevada because they're not worker friendly. They're not terribly safe. I mean, they're safe probably being on the street, but it's, it can be a bad situation down there, but mainly the few people who own the brothels who have the licenses make lots of money. The workers make very little. It's, and it's a very repressive atmosphere. If you go down to work in a brothel, you are not free to leave at any time and just go to a grocery store. You have to stay in that building the whole time. If you leave, you're done because they want to have total control of you the whole time you're working. And that's just not acceptable. Now, I went to Australia, and I worked in brothels in Sydney and uh, Melbourne, and it was great. It was like you went in, and you worked your shift, and then you went home, and you went about your business. Uh, there was none of this, you know, your, your animals that we keep corralled and trapped up in this building. Uh, so I've had both experiences, and I know which is better, and it's decriminalized, reasonably regulated prostitution. Does Australia have visas for that? Um, I neglected to explain to the nation of Australia exactly what I was going to be doing <laughs> on my visit there. <laughs> uh, I, I think like, there's, some, there's like, some, like a casual work visas for people um, up to 30. I'm actually over 30, so I'm not a candidate for that kind of visa. So I just took tourist visa and I cheated a little bit. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not to put you on blast or anything, but... <laughs> yeah, yep. they're coming for me now. I can hear it, yeah. <laughs> but it was um, a great experience. Well, thank you so much. You know, we really, really appreciate um, you talking about everything you're working on and, yeah, taking the time. It was great to talk to you guys. I look forward to, uh, to hearing the podcast, and uh, thanks for asking me. Thank you okay. so much. Have a good weekend. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
That was Mistress Matisse. If you want to get your hands on her lube Velvet Swing, you can check out our website, velvetswing.com. And as she said, if you're not in California or Washington, you are out of luck. All right, well, that's our show for today. As always, you can find us on social media at Weed Week News or email us at weedweeknews at gmail.com. And in fact, this week, we are looking to answer all your questions about CBD. We will read through them, do our uh, due diligence and plenty of research and get back to you in the next episode um, with all of your answers. As always, uh, don't forget to show us some love on iTunes by giving us a rating or leaving a review. It means a lot since uh, we read every single one and we're still a new show helps people discover us if the if this isn't enough weed news for you you can also sign up for the weed week newsletter at weedweek.net i'm alex halpern i'm Haley fox our producer is hannah smith and alicia Byer wrote our theme music we'll see you next week bye bye